um, essential elements of our book. And I made a list. And these are practical ways in which we express the spiritual practices that we refer to. So these are uh, 33 ways to show mindful living, acting with loving kindness, saying, greeting what happens with an unconditional yes rather than an argument, and openness to the graces that keep coming through. So what we're going to do is hear it just once, and I ask the people to read slowly and to pass the microphone along. We're going to start over here with you and go all the way across. We get to the end here to carry, just pass it behind you and go this way. Everybody follow? So we'll hear from this section. And uh, if you don't want to read, just pass it to the next person. But everybody can follow as we hear these. Remember that these were meant to be like a week at a time or a year at a time. <laughs> so, <laughs> But first we want to hear them all. And what I'd like you to do is, if you have your pen, is mark down the ones that you have questions about or that you want to discuss a little more, because now we're going to use this for our next exercise. I'm yeah, question. It's a little different. Has uh, writing on the back. It should be the first one has no number, then two, then three, then oh. there's three pages. I got two pages of the same. Okay, hold it. Thank you. Everybody have. Everybody say uh, two, three. Yeah, it doesn't have a number on page one. I'm squared away. We're gonna, you're all set? Okay. All right, and a good um, way of doing this uh, exercise, which I've done before, is if you just kind of uh, hear the different voices, each one presenting one of these. You don't have to give the number as you read and um, just kind of let them come through and notice your reaction or feeling or response. And just saying them is itself a form of a commitment. So when you say this first one, you will be making that commitment to all of us. Is that all right? Okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's keep this in mind. Read very slowly. I do my best to keep my word, honor commitments, and follow through on the tasks I agree to do. I am making every effort to abide by standards of rigorous honesty and respect in all my dealings, no matter how others act toward me. 
I forego taking advantage of anyone because of his or her ignorance, misfortune, or financial straits. My question is not, what can I get away with, but what is the right thing to do? If I fall down in this, I can admit it, make amends, and resolve to act differently next time. I now apologize more easily and willingly when necessary. If someone is overly generous towards me or has an exaggerated sense of obligation to me, I do not want to exploit his or her lack of boundaries. Instead, I want to express appreciation and work out an equitable way of interacting. I keep examining my conscience with true candor. I take searching inventories not only about how I may have harmed others, but also about how I may not have activated my potentials or shared my gifts, how I may still be holding on to prejudices or the will to retaliate, how I may still not be as loving, inclusive, and open as I can be. I welcome feedback that shows me where I am less caring, we're less tolerant, we're less open about my real feelings than I can be. When I am shown up as a pretender or called on being mean or inauthentic, I am not defensive, but take it as information about what I have to work on. I appreciate positive feedback also. <laughs> I am letting go of the need to keep up appearances or to project a false or overly impressive self-image. Now I want to appear as I am, without pretense and no matter how unflattering. I do not want to use any charms of body, word, or mind to trick or deceive others. Being loved for who I am has become more important and more interesting than upholding an ever-shaky status of my ego. I now measure my success by how much steadfast love I have, not by how much I have in the bank, how much I achieve in business, how much status I have attained, or how much power I have over others. The central and most exhilarating focus of my life is to show all my love in the style that is uniquely mine in every way I can, here and now, always and everywhere, no one excluded. As I say yes to the reality of who I am, with pride in my gifts and unabashed awareness of my limits, I notice that I can love myself and that I, that I can become more lovable too. I never give up on believing that everyone has an innate goodness and that being loved can contribute to bringing it out. I am learning to trust others when the record shows that they can be trusted, while I, nonetheless, commit myself to being trustworthy. 
regardless of what others may do. I am always open to rebuilding trust when it has been broken, if the other person is willing. I remain open to reconcile with others after conflict. At the same time, I am learning to release with love and without blame those who show themselves to be unwilling to relate to me respectfully. I accept the given of sudden unexplained silence or rejection by others and will never use that style myself. I am learning to be assertive by asking for what I need without fear or inhibition. I ask without demand, expectation, manipulation, or a sense of entitlement. I can show respect for the timing and choices of others by being able to take no for an answer. I do not knowingly hurt or intend to offend others. I act kindly toward others, not to impress or obligate them, but because I really am kind, or working on it. <laughs> if others fail to thank me or to return my kindness, that does not have to stop me from behaving lovingly nonetheless. If people hurt me, I can say, ouch, and ask to open a dialogue. I may ask for amends, but I can drop the topic if they are not forthcoming. No matter what, I do not choose to get even, hold grudges, keep a record of wrongs, or hate anyone. What goes around comes around has become, may what goes around, come around in a way that helps him or her learn and grow. I am thereby hoping for the transformation of others rather than retribution against them. I do not gloat over the sufferings or defeat of those who have hurt me. It serves them right has changed to, may this serve to help them evolve. I am practicing ways to express my anger against unfairness directly and nonviolently rather than abusive, bullying, threatening, blaming, out of control, or passive ways. I do not let others abuse me, but I want to interpret their harshness as coming from their own pain and as a sadly confused way of letting me know they need connection but don't know how to ask for it in healthy ways. I recognize this with concern, not with censure or scorn. I have a sense of humor, but not at the expense of others. I want to use home humor to poke fun at human foibles, especially my own. I do not engage in ridicule, put-downs, taunting, teasing, barbs, snide, or bigoted remarks, sarcasm, or comebacks. When others use hurtful humor towards me, I want to feel the pain in both of us and look for ways to bring more mutual respect into our communication. I do not laugh at people or their mistakes or misfortune, but look for ways to be supportive. 
I notice how in some groups there are people who are humiliated or excluded. Rather than be conformed by that, I am still safely an insider, especially by gossiping about them. I want to sense the pain in being an outsider. Then I can reach out and include everyone in my circle of love, compassion, and respect. I look at other people and their choices with intelligent disconcernment, but without censure. I still notice the shortcomings of others and myself, but now I am beginning to see them as facts to deal with rather than flaws to be criticized or ashamed of. Accepting others as they are has become more important than, where, than whether they are what I want them to be. I avoid criticizing, interfering, or giving advice that is not specifically asked for. I take care of myself by staying away from those who use CIA approach toward me <laughs> while still holding them in my spiritual circle of loving kindness. I am willing to participate in the harmless conventions and social rituals that make others happy. For example, family dinners or acknowledgement of birthdays. When a situation becomes toxic, I excuse myself without rancor. I am less and less competitive in relationships at home and work and find happiness in cooperation and community. I shun situations in which my winnings mean that others lose in a humiliating way. In intimate bonds, I honor equality, keep agreements, work on problems, and act in respectful and trustworthy ways. My goal is not to use a relationship to gratify my ego, but to dispossess myself of ego to gratify the relationship. Also, I respect the boundaries of others' relationships. I want my sexual style to adhere to the same standards of integrity and loving kindness that apply in all areas of my life. More and more, my sexuality expresses love, passion, and joyful playfulness. I remain committed to a responsible adult style of relating and enjoying. Confronted with the suffering in the world, I do not turn my eyes away, nor do I get stuck in blaming God or humanity, but simply ask, what then shall I do? What is the opportunity in this for my practice of loving kindness? I keep finding ways to respond even if they have to be minimal. It is better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. I want my caring concern to extend to the world around me. I am committing myself to fighting injustice in nonviolent ways. I support restorative rather than retributive justice. I am distressed and feel myself called to action by violations of human rights, nuclear armaments, economic and racial injustice. I tread with care on the earth with what St. Bonaventure called a courtesy toward natural things. I appreciate that whatever love or wisdom I may have or show comes not from me, but through me. I give thanks for these encouraging graces 
and say yes to the stirring call to live up to them. I am not hard on myself when I fail to live up to these ideals. I just keep practicing earnestly. The sincerity of my intention and my ongoing efforts feel like the equivalent of success. I do not think I am above other people because I honor this list. I do not demand that others follow it. I am sharing with this list with those who are open to it, and I keep believing that someday these commitments can become the style not only of individuals but of groups in the world community, corporate, political, and religious. Next person. I say, I say yes to everything that happens to me today as an opportunity to give and receive love without reserve. I am thankful for the gift of love in me from the sacred heart of the universe. May I open my heart more and more. May everything I think, say, feel, and do foster justice, peace, and love for all humanity. May love be the purpose of my life, may my sacred trust, my destiny, the richest grace I can receive or give. Okay, thank you. Very beautifully read. Um, immediate reactions? Beautiful. Thank Very you. Beautiful. And I was thinking as we were <clears throat> reading these that this would be something for a couple to work with. Like, this is how we're going to be treating each other. That you would only want the kind of a person who could say yes to all 33 of these. Is that the kind you have had so far? <laughs> Question. I was just going to say that I was, um, my partner can't be here today because of work, and uh, I was going to take this home and, and gently try to suggest that we find a way to um, be this in our relationship to the best of our capabilities. Good idea. Yeah, without pushing it or exactly. right. and, and that's, that, that's a that's a good question mm. um, again because it, it treads in that area where um, we're not supposed to uh, impose our work onto others but when you're in um, a high value relationship and so intermess with one another how how does one um, gently say hey this is where I'd like us to be interacting um, because this is the goal that I'd like to have, not only personally in my life, but in the most important relationship in my life. I would do it this way. I would say, these were touching to me, and this is how I'm going to conduct myself in this relationship. And I offer it to you. These are my commitments to you. And... I leave it up to you to respond in any way you want. 
It would have to be like that. It couldn't be, well, we have to do it this way. Because, and the reason I'm saying this is because these are only real if you somehow get it that, oh, this is the way to live. It has to come through as an intuitive realization. It can't be, oh, these are the rules I have to follow. This is an important thing. It's not like, oh, the rule in here is no smoking, so there's no smoking. And you're just observing the rule because that's the rule. That's not what this is. This is, oh, I get it, yes. I want to measure my success by how much love I have, not by how much I have in the bank. Yes, I want to start doing this. That's how it happens. <clears throat> As opposed to, oh, I'm supposed to do this. Everybody follow? It's interesting. It has to be interesting to you. It has to it's grab you. Yeah. It has to, oh, this is another, this is an alternative way of living from what we ordinarily see. Yeah, yeah, and it has to make sense to you individually. It can't be like, oh, this is what Dave suggests or Dave said. It has to be like, oh, I, I, yes, I want this. I've been working on this list since 1998, and I don't have anything on here that I haven't made as my own commitment. So I really have noticed that I like myself more when I'm like this. Maybe that's the motivation. The ego won't be motivated by this kind of a list. What, what this appeals to is our true nature. What is our true nature? That which is already mindful, already loving kind, showing loving kindness, saying yes unconditionally, and open to grace. Yeah? I, I'm just wondering, looking at Kind of the flip side of it, have you ever seen it happen where people are like, I'm not quite buying into this, but I'm willing to give it a try. And then their experience of, in a sense, imposing this becomes ingrained yes. enough that it comes from the inside out eventually. I like that. Yeah, that's another way to do it. I'll just go ahead and do this, and then let's see if it kicks in as authentic after a while. So fake it until you make it. That idea, yeah. Yes, I like that. I would think also at the risk of becoming number 32. Hold it, we're going to give you the microphone. <clears throat> 32. <clears throat> yes, it's not elitist. It's the, you know, after workshop, I've seen the light story of I've figured it all out, now I want you to figure it out too. It's the the desire to really discuss and explore perhaps with another where I'm challenged in the ones that I want to make a commitment to the ones yes. that really strike me. And I, when you said your first reaction, I had lots of reactions. I underlined lots of things. Um, number 24 feels seasonally topical to me. Um, the willingness to participate in the harmless conventions of social rituals as we approach some pretty big ones in our North American culture. Um, Cause I'm aware in me, 
my disdain for the sort of rote artificiality of what I can often experience in those occasions. Yes. And I typically choose not to go there, just to not be feeling faux, if you will. And I worry about the dishonor to others who value family and inclusion and everyone being together. And I feel selfish sometimes in that choice. But I feel also stuck between my desire not to put myself in that circumstance and really wanting to honor those I love and care about. Mm -hmm. So that really stood out for me. Good. Thank you. Way in the back, Yarko. And once again, I'm responding because I'm triggered by that. So uh, uh, let me tie the last comment to one a few comments back because this is what is woo for me. <laughs> um, trying to bring this into a relationship and saying, here, I want us to be this way, it, it seems paradoxical to me. It seems like a control move. And it's really counter to number nine. Here, if I said to you, my partner, <clears throat> As you say yes to the reality of who you are, here's the list of what I tell you who you are is. <laughs> you know, it seems sort of amusing at one level to me. So that you must take it into yourself is obvious, and it's if you try to do it the other way, the paradoxes come out for me. Mm -hmm. um, um, I, I guess I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, it would have to be I instead of you. Can't be this is what I expect you to be. It has to be, well, this is who I am, and then let's uh, open a dialogue. Can't be, unless you're this way, I won't have anything to do with you. Because remember, it's the wounded ones who are the ones that are bringing the opportunities. Not the three. Uh, what's the game? Rugby. Why do I forget? Okay. Yeah. If I can just, I, I lost the thread. So the Christmas thing ties into that for me because <coughs> if saying happy birthday to you makes you happy, I'm willing to do that, makes sense. If coming to your house for Christmas and you imposing that back on me as if I'm supposed to be that way, that ties into the first comment I made. So that feels comfortable to say, I won't do this to you, and I won't let you do that to me either. So that's how those two tied in for mm -hmm. me. So there. Okay. Thank you for. There was somebody behind yeah. you that also had a comment. Number twenty-three brought up criticizing, interfering, or giving advice that is yeah. not specifically asked for. Yes, especially with our children. Yeah. <clears throat> and I feel like I have made progress on this externally, but in my mind, I am still rampant at times, and I don't like that. Well, remember what we said before. The, the Cro-Magnon ego within remains, no matter how advanced we become, no matter how many spiritual practices we engage in. We still have that automatic impulse toward Righteousness, self-centeredness, retaliation, all that matters is the purity of our intention and the choices that we make. We're not going to try to get rid of the little voice inside. We're going to gently turn it 
in the direction of our practice. Okay, uh, microphone is, oh, okay. There and then up here. Um, I'm looking at number 30, and uh, I guess I appreciate paradoxes and the way that uh, uh, mm. the divine comes through us through paradox, and uh, my my playing with the dialectic or the, the playing with the relative bodhicitta to absolute bodhicitta, but when I see that, um, that the lover wisdom comes not from me, but through me, I, I am now, I believe, focusing and trying to embody the sacred. So when I see comes through me, I realize that it may uh, tempt me in my shadow piece to not own it because it's coming through me. But if I own it, I'm embodying it, it does come from me. Mm, okay, I see what you mean. I meant grace there. That's grace is coming through, but that's a very good point. Thank you. Uh, there was somebody up here. Yeah. Okay, well, let's have one more back there, and then we'll come up. <clears throat> um, well, I'm so glad you're responding in this way because I really uh, like how you're all getting with this and paying attention to it and working with it. You don't have to accept these. This is up to you. Just to be able to accept these itself requires some kind of journey in this direction. It's not like when they told us four times four is 16. That's it. Accept it or not. This is not like that. This is, oh, how do I enter this? Not how do I memorize it and make it happen. Um, I think that actually might relate to Sort of my reaction was actually <clears throat> number 31. Um, I grew up very religious. So for me, this feels a lot like all the scriptures I was told as a kid that I had to follow. Mm. So it's hard for me to read this in a way that feels accepting of myself. Okay, that's a very good point. That some of us have been so um, brainwashed in the course of life, especially by re traditional religion, that it's hard for us to hear something like this without it seeming like commandments that we have to follow. We don't want to go there. We want to go to, oh, this is another option. I wonder if this option would fit for me. That's, the, that's what you take from it. Not, oh, this is what I should be doing. Because they're not shoulds. That's what I meant by in order to get to this, you would have to have experienced some type of bodhicitta, which is the move toward the enlightened style. And that we don't make happen, it just happens to us. So I'm wondering if you can address the issue of loyalty. And by that I mean in a family situation or a group play, group, or even especially in a spousal relationship or partner relationship where the person who is a very important person to you wants you to act contrary to this and you're torn between your I want to say loving and genuine loyalty <clears throat> to a family member or a partner and these precepts that you feel like if left by my own, I would do that. 
But now I'm having someone say, don't be kind, don't be generous, please criticize, you know, where they're trying to, to recruit you into their way of treating a third person. And you have it, and there really is a, a direct conflict between your genuine and loving loyalty. I'm not talking about obedience or a, f a false sense of attention, but a genuine loyalty to someone who wants you to act in a way that's contrary to how you want to act. Mm. I think we've all come up against <laughs> that. And uh, the style would be, I'm on a new journey now. I operate differently. I appreciate your wanting to bring me into the style that we're all so used to, but I just no longer go there. This is where the assertiveness comes in, where you'd have to make it clear that you're trying something new. And we're going to fall down in these every single day, but we're going to get up one more time than we fell. Okay, somebody else? Okay, Barbara. Um, Against the wall. God, yes, I understand, and I, and I get it, and um, then I think to myself, where can I meet somebody that, <laughs> and I'm thinking, slim pickings, okay, really, and I know I've talked to you this before, and I, you know, so I look at it, and, and then I think, okay, you know, let the universe bring me the person that's supposed to, you know, come into my life, and I have a hard time with it sometimes, um, that, you know, um, I find it difficult, and um, I'm wondering if you have a suggestion um, on um, how to approach that, and how, in my life, I can bring more of that type of um, loving kindness and energy flowing towards me. Um, um, so that's just kind of a question that I have because, um, mm -hmm. you know, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. And I don't have any specific names to give okay. you. She brought up something that's important, and I wanted to talk about this anyway, so I want to connect it. Any enduring need or fantasy, and what you brought up, Barbara, in both of these categories, when you notice that there's something that uh, keeps coming back that you just can't seem to get it out of your mind, you keep wanting something, or you have a specific fantasy, for instance, like fantasy of the person who would be like what we read in our list, then we want to move away from being fundamentalists who take it literally, I literally need someone like that. And I, pr I want to propose that 
this enduring need or fantasy tells us something, and I've worked on this to come to three options or three possibilities. My enduring need or fantasy, rather than to be taken literally so that I become a fundamentalist, is opening up three questions. One, how am I giving what I'm looking for to myself? Or not? Two, what connection, this is a big one, is there between my enduring need and fantasy and what I missed in childhood? And three, how do I access this from a higher power? Or how do I access it in my spirituality, if you don't feel comfortable with that phrase? Can you repeat okay, so the enduring need or fantasy, for instance, a sexual fantasy, I have a particular scene in mind, and this I want to have fulfilled, and it can only be fulfilled by this kind of a person or persons, that instead of taking that literally, that's what I really want in order to be happy, I move the energy of the need or fantasy into three new portals. The first one is, is there something that I need to give myself that would help with this? Is there some connection between this and what happened in childhood? And is there some further access I can have in my spirituality that will give me something that will not take the place of this or fulfill it literally, but will so enrich me that I won't be so caught up in it anymore. I may even still want it, but not with the obsessiveness that I've held onto it with so far. Kind of reminds me of the kind of humorous question and answer of, that some, of someone uh, asked uh, St. Thomas Aquinas 
medieval Catholic theologian. Was there sex in the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve committed the sin? That was the question. His answer, yes, but without the restlessness and without the compulsion. That's what their sex was like. No restlessness, just serene fulfillment. No compulsion, just choose and let go. What an alternative. <laughs> so that's what might happen to the need or fantasy. It will release itself from the compulsion the restlessness and the frustration that was in Barbara's voice when she asked this question. Release these from it so that it will be held in a more amused, lighter way. How does that happen? I, instead of taking it literally, I brought it to what can I give myself? What work do I have to do on childhood? Grieving and letting go of what I didn't receive. And finding it in powers beyond uh, the visible. Everybody following? Questions about this? I'm interested in your questions. Because this is brand new. I just thought of this within the past couple of weeks. This is a way of working with the needs and fantasies. And it doesn't take care of it, but it releases some of the negative energy that makes it so difficult to hold. Uh, yes, you have a question on this? Good. I may have misheard your question, but I thought you were asking, how do I meet a person who has worked on this stuff like that? Like you were asking, um, Dr. Ricker, could you please start a lovingkindnessmatch.com kind of thing? Okay, <laughs> 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 thank you. Way in the back. Yeah, so I guess to be clear, because a lot of your um, points are, I mean, if you have an enduring need or fantasy, you can certainly satisfy it, but you want it to be done in a way that it's sort of from center as opposed to compulsively. Yeah. Okay. So you're not kind because of forgetting you, about it. Right. And when you okay. satisfy it in the compulsive way, you will only want it again. Like it would be a bottomless pit. That's what the compulsion is about, the restlessness. In other words, it isn't ultimately satisfying, even when it's fulfilled in all its details. There was one more back there. Yes, there's, and then we'll come up. It's not really a question. Okay. Um, I think that I was really glad to hear you go to the grieving and say that the way to release the pattern 
is the grieving. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a huge part of the dynamic that you're saying. Yes. Um, yes, this is a big one. There's a, um, there are 21 steps for ASCA, which is Adult Survivors of Child Abuse, and they deal with this a lot, really, oh. succinctly. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And the grieving is, I'm sad about what I didn't get. I'm angry at those who didn't give it to me, and I'm afraid I'll never find it. That would be my summary of the grief, the work of grieving. Yes, against the wall. Yeah. Hi. Um, I can relate to some of what's being said. I, I have a sense that um, my anxiety over finding the fantasy um, is like a wall <laughs> to others. And, yes, yes. Good and it point. also keeps judgments going because each person I meet, or someone might meet, <laughs> um, there's always a lens going, you know, is this the one? <laughs> and so there's never a, a, a real honest connection available because there's always this Mm, chatter going on of judging and comparing and if then this would bring me to a question about just comparison in general in your number um, uh, 32 I don't think I'm above other people I guess I was I was raised in a family whose uh, compulsion was making other people less than them except for the children in the family, myself, nurtured to feel less than others. And um, so I guess one of, one of my challenges is working out that kind of constant comparison. Everyone, yes. everyone else is an adult, and I'm not. Everyone else is competent, and I'm not. And, but, but then maybe I'll, there's somebody else who is less competent. Mm -hmm. And when you do make connections like that to your childhood, you, oh, I was raised this particular way, it helps you talk to yourself in an avuncular way, the kindly uncle way or aunt. And you can say, oh, okay, well, I was brought up this way, so of course it's going to follow that I would put myself down around other people. And it's time now to go beyond that and to um, notice the results of what happens, but no longer have to act on them. So I keep coming back to, <clears throat> I can still have that feeling that I'm less than others, but I no longer make choices to reflect it. This is a big change. So we're, we're releasing ourselves from trying to get rid of the thought, the belief, since that was so deeply ingrained in us we didn't have it, when we didn't have a chance to say no to it. Now it's settled in such a deep part of our brain that it can't easily be expunged or excised so instead, like shrapnel from World War II, 
we just let it sit there and no longer have to worry about getting rid of it since it no longer is hurting us. Everybody follow that? That you, um, that when you notice these beliefs that you can trace back to childhood, don't work on getting rid of them. All that matters is I no longer act on them. I don't act like I'm less than. I make the choices that show that I'm taking care of myself. But the old beliefs just sit there like shrapnel that no longer harm me. It's not really supposed to be there, but, but the, the, the task of removing these is so gargantuan that it's just not worth it. As long as it's no longer harming. Make sense to everybody? This is the way of the unconditional yes to the given of childhood results. Results of what happened in childhood. Okay, there was another question. Uh, way in the back. So let's just have two more questions and then we'll go on. Uh, no, that's okay. He has the microphone. First of all, thank you for this. It's probably the most profound learning experience that I've had through your work. And it has to do specifically with number two. And the question for you, sir, yeah. beautiful human, <laughs> is could you please talk about the adult dose? Okay. Uh, she's referring to... Um, when these needs, um, when what you're looking for in the fulfillment of the needs is 100% from someone, that would be more like the infant requirement from the parent. So the infant requires 100% of the parent's attention. That's reasonable because we're just helpless little beings and we need 100%. But when we uh, move into adulthood, then the proportions change and you would no longer need 100% from any one person. So I reduced it down to about 25% from any one individual in an intimate relationship. I was in a very generous mood. And uh, that's what I call the adult dose. That's the dose that goes with those who don't have compulsion, don't have restlessness, and don't have frustration because they already reconcile themselves to the minimal dividends that any adult can offer. This is the kind of dividends that an adult can offer, the 25%, not the 100% that mother could offer. Even mother couldn't continue to offer that after infancy. She only offered it during infancy because 
her instincts told her, I'm needed here, I have to be fully present. But adults don't get that message. There's no instinctive voice inside of an adult saying, I have to be there 100% for my partner's needs. I have to be uh, right there before, during, and after. It, it isn't like that. It's, hey, I've got my own needs too. Good, and there was one other question. Right here. Thank you. Part of me felt when the person that I couldn't see over there asked about where do you find a community of people who, who resonate with these principles. Her name is Barbara. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi, Barbara. Uh, <clears throat> um, part of me felt that the middle one is kind of pathologizing that and um, I guess I'm feeling the need for the, the collective to be taken into account because I think it's possible for what seems to me to be a very healthy person in this society still to have uh, some painfully unmet social needs taking into account the milieu of, of isolation that, that occurs a lot in contemporary living. Mm -hmm. So I, I, don't, I don't think any sort of pathology or childhood missing element necessarily needs to be there to account for the aching loneliness that some people today can feel. Um, okay, good. And I think yeah. our, our culture has to do this as much as any individual. Uh, so that's just kind of an observation. Okay, question. so you're saying even someone who had a wonderful childhood might still have these enduring fantasies and needs pressing and that it could have something to do with society in general not and the alienation that's part of it. Yeah. I, I don't okay. want to sound victim-y because no, I, I know that, I that like we that. mold this society, but the, the reality is that... Uh, I live in San Francisco, and, and unless you make some effort, you cannot know the people around you, and I think that's a pretty common uh, experience. And uh, anyway, I think people can be healthy and still suffer in, in the kind of the social environment as it is today. Good, yes. Well, thank you for bringing that up, and that makes a lot of sense. So you're saying there's even an existential dimension, kind of a fourth portal, which is the alienated world we live in, that might instill certain fantasies or needs that we would keep retreading in our minds that transcend just ourselves, our childhood, and higher power. Specifically the longing for intimate relationships, I think there are yeah. people that are really ready for that and, and healthy, but the logistics of that is just really, this is where we get into grace. And I know I've heard so many people have these conversations about, is there someone overseeing, you know, cosmicmatch.com? Are we just sort of left to our own efforts and, you know, 
the the squirrel preparing for winter, you know, our, our own efforts, or is there this other factor you talked about earlier, uh, another hand at play? And sometimes it's very hard to, uh, particularly for a lot of people who've struggled in this quest, it's hard to feel the presence of that hand mm. sometimes. Yes. And w you're saying also we live in the, a society that doesn't make it easy for us to find. Well, thank you for bringing that up. He is bringing up the existential dimension. Okay, well, we're going to take a short break. And uh, at the beginning of the break, I would like to see the MFT people who are here for the